Good morning to you. My name is Patrick Doyle and you're very welcome to the Sunday Breakfast Show on Dublin City FM. Endeavouring to entertain, inform and quite possibly educate since 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, today is November 8th, 2020. And what a time it is to be alive. The ideas of the Enlightenment being questioned. The foundations of democracy being rocked. Not in my lifetime did I think I would ever say those words. If there is a lot to do between now and 10 o'clock this morning, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. There is quite a bit to do between now and 10 o'clock this morning. The Isles of Scilly shall return. I'm also going to attempt to write a poem. A little poetry predicament. How will I get on? Hmm? Play on words, Ireland's only Elizabethan and Jacobean quiz. The Roman Emperor's returns, and this week I'm looking at the Emperor Caligula. And I'm doing it before the watershed. I shall be talking film with Fergal Casey, and it is a very exciting film starring James Stewart. Directed by Mr Hitchcock. Another edition of Who Ghost There, my primal sound is from Groove Armada, and... I shall have a fairy tale for you before 10 o'clock this morning. And now for something a little bit silly. Silly things have been happening here on planet Earth in the last seven days, as I'm sure you are well aware of. Enlightenment and democracy concerns aside, Something rather silly has been happening in Singapore. They've been hit by cabin fever. Hundreds of Singapore residents itching to get out of the tiny country boarded a cruise to nowhere on Friday. A rare chance to set sail after the coronavirus pandemic shut down much of the cruise industry. Before starting their short seacation, On the 335 metre, that is 1,100 feet, just in case you prefer feet, World Dream, passengers underwent coronavirus swab tests before boarding the vessel, which was operating at half capacity to prevent crowding. Retiree Anne Sen Hock, who's 73, said he had no fear about getting infected and had booked several more trips later in the month very, very silly. The president of Dream Cruises, Michael Goh, said the crew would respond decisively to any sign of infections. Here comes a quote. Passengers will be back into the cabin, into their cabin, and the ship will do a deep cleaning and sanitization, he said. Within less than six hours, we can be back in Singapore if there's a problem.
No, 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 no. I cannot go any further with this ridiculous story. I desperately want to make a comment. I desperately want to say something controversial. But I can't. So what I shall do is let's have a... Hmm. Three-second silence in which you can insert any words that you feel are appropriate for this particular story. And back we go. (laughs) A Kentucky town, speaking of other silly things, is celebrating the election of a mayor whose support transcends political divides, a French bulldog named... Wilbur. <laughs> yes, it is rather funny. It is, it is, it is. The Rabbit Hash Historical Society, which holds elections for canine, a canine mayor every three years as a fundraiser, said the French bulldog Wilbur took office with 13,143 votes, the highest total since the elections began in 1998. Wilbur unseated incumbent Mayor Brenneth Paltro, a rescued pit bull elected in 2017. The Historical Society, which owns the town, said 22,985 votes were cast, the highest turnout in the history of the canine mayor office. The election raised a total of $13,156 which officials said will go toward preserving local historical buildings. Ladies and gentlemen, the Isles of Silly. Now, I know I'm technically meant to play some music now because normally after a feature like that, the presenter must play music. It has to happen. However, there is no time for music, especially when right beside me I have the folder of awe. And within this folder of awe lies many fascinating things that relate to today, November 8th. Let us peek inside this folder and see what's there. Now let me just grab this folder from over here and bring it... There we go. Oof. It's a rather large folder. Let me just pull out one thing from it. Aha! Oh, there's quite a lot of writing on it. Regarding today, November 8th. My, my, my. Would you look at this? There are a lot of things happening on this day in history. The very first thing I see is that on this date in 392 AD, yes, the folder goes back that far. The Roman Emperor, Theodosius, declares the Christian religion the state religion. Fascinating. What else do we have in the folder of awe? In 1731 in Philadelphia, Benjamin Franklin opens the first library in the North American colonies. Abraham Lincoln, 1864 I see before my very eyes. He is elected to his second term as the American president. And that was a particularly awkward time in American history. Is there anything else in this folder of all? My goodness, yes, there is. Grover Cleveland. In 1892, he's elected the 24th 
United States President. Lots to do with America. What else is in this folder? Well, on this date in 1935, The Mutiny on the Bounty, directed by Frank Lloyd, and starring my favourite, Charles Lawton, and also Clark Gable, premieres in New York City. It did win Best Picture in the 1936 Oscars. And for the moment, that's all it has. Ladies and gentlemen, the folder of all. Now I'm going to set myself a challenge. Whilst the next piece of music is playing, I am going to attempt to write a piece of poetry based on one of the facts that we learned from the folder of awe, and I'm going to pick at random which one it is, so it literally could be anything. I could be writing about Christianity becoming the main religion of Rome, the Roman Empire. I could be writing about Abraham Lincoln. I could be writing about Charles Lawton. Let me just, now, I'm going to close my eyes, and I shall pick one, and let's see. Okay, eyes are open. Aha! Grover Cleveland, the 24th United States President, who as the folder of all told us, was elected on this date in 1892. I shall endeavour to write a piece of poetry about him whilst this piece of music is playing. Oh, do please wish me luck. Whilst you were enjoying that piece of music, I was here trying to compose a piece of poetry about Grover Cleveland, the 24th US President. And I was doing all of that at this time of the morning. Okay. Today's poetry predicament did indeed involve me composing a piece of poetry about the American president Grover Cleveland because it was on this date in 1892 that he was elected the American president, the 24th American president. Today's poetry predicament is simply entitled President Cleveland. Even so distant, Stephen, we cannot taste, for you called yourself Grover instead, bitter and sharp, and full-bodied, a full 275 pounds of patriotism, tall and wide, fond of the sun's occasional print on time, for that is what you taught to those who could not see. All the unhurried on the day of the election. You won by just 1,200 votes. Their minds lay open. Knives were out for you. Knives were out for the Depression of 1893. Depression caused by a stumbling. A desolate fall for Big Steve. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning's poetry predicament. I managed to scramble together a piece of poetry about the 24th US President, Grover Cleveland, in record time. Go me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, please, you really shouldn't have done that. It is now time on the Sunday Breakfast Show that we embrace Elizabethan and Jacobean theatre for Ireland's most theatrical quiz. 
I have two contestants on the phone. Both have a chance to win four euro this morning. Just think what one can do with four euro. But here's the premise. I will read a monologue or soliloquy from one of Shakespeare's greatest plays. And they have to try and guess who is the character that is speaking, what act, what scene, and what play. It is time for Play on Words. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Please take your seats. This evening's performance is about to begin. Thank you. Five, four, three, two, one. I shall do well. The people love me, and the sea is mine. My powers are crescent, and my augering hope says it will come to the full. Mark Antony in Egypt sits at dinner, and will make no wars without doors. Caesar gets money where he loses hearts. Lepidus flatters both. Of both is flattered, but he neither loves nor either cares for him. And now we meet our two contestants. And on line one, I see we have. A caller who has not called into the program before, a gentleman by the name of Wilbur from Wellington, who is a badger expert. Good morning, Wilbur. Hey, good morning. I'm actually from Wellington. Where did I say you're from? You said I was from Will. I can't say it actually, but it's Wellington. I beg your pardon. You're from Wellington. How are you today, sir? I'm very amusing indeed. I enjoy your... That's some Irish binter, I'm, I'm assuming, at the moment, is it? It could well be. The weather is fine. The weather is absolutely fine. Now, you had a chance it's to... It's a function of a number of factors, if you... I mean, if you really consider it, it is a function of a number of factors. Um, you know, climate, it's... How long do you have, really? Indeed, Quite. The premise here is that you have listened to me do a speech from Shakespeare and you have to try and guess with it because the hope is that you'll win four euro out of this, uh, which, you know, I'm sure translates into a lot of money where you are. But you have to try and guess what scene, what act and from what Shakespeare play and uh, what character it is that is speaking. So, who do you think it is and what act, what scene and what Shakespeare play? Have you finished asking the question? I believe I have. Yes, I believe I have. Excellent. Well, I've, 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 I just wanted to say before I started attempting to answer the question, um, uh, I'd, I'd like to gloat. Um, if you're Irish, I think you should come here to New Zealand. It's wonderful. You're going into your winter. We're going into our summer. Um, fans are allowed to go to rugby matches. Um 
Restaurants are open. It's wonderful. So I think you should come here uh, to live instead of staying in wet, miserable, boring old Dublin. Right, okay. I have to stop you there because I don't really know what that has to do with this quiz at all, sir. You've called him very well. No, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm fading you down because you're not playing the game correctly. I do apologize about that. This is meant to be a family-friendly and fun quiz for the radio. Now we go to line two, and I can say a very good morning to our second contestant, Martin Pop from Ballyfop. Good morning, Martin. Oh, good morning um, to you, Patrick, and all of your listeners. How are you doing this morning? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, indeed. It's, um, it's very important in these modern times to have more... Um, you know, different voices, as, as it were, on your program, but I don't like that new one at all. Really? He's a very rude man. I thought, he was, rude I man. thought he was very rude as well. Now, Martin, we don't have much time, unfortunately. You heard the speech. What play, what act, what scene, and what character was speaking? For four euro, who do you think it was? What it was? Well, Patrick, as you know, I had no interest in Shakespeare until, until COVID, and I have an old edition in my house passed down between the generations and I've read all the plays I would say about about ten times now each play probably more some of them my my really favourite ones you know yes sir and this one comes from my favourite one I think comes from maybe my like in my top five favourite Shakespeare plays um, it comes from Anthony and Cleopatra Act 2 and scene 1 if I'm correct it's it's in the home of Pompey and it's present in the present in the room of Pompey, Menacrates, and and Menes, and and the next line is something about Caesar. He's in a field or, or something like that. I can't. I'm sorry. That I can't be more. I'm incredible. sorry. It's such, a, such a vague answer, Patrick. I'm sorry. It was so vague. Oh, Martin Pop, do not apologise. Do not, sir. That is incredible. Incredible. I cannot believe it. You have four euro coming your way. The specificity is incredible. I'm sorry, Patrick. I just didn't quite nail that answer as much as I would have no. as I would have liked. No, I tried my best. Stop it! Stop it! No, that's a very bad Martin Pop. That's a very bad Martin oh, Pop. Oh, please! I, I'll do better next time. I promise. I'll do try to do better next time. Martin, well done, and thank you for playing this week's play on words. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Patrick. And I didn't receive my four euros from last week, so I was just wondering about that. Oh, we seem to have lost, and that's a shame. Hmm, maybe we should get him back, because I, I think he was trying to tell me something. I am quite fond of that piece of music. Martha Hill, Landslide. Brand new music here on the Sunday Breakfast Show on Dublin City FM. Well, so endeth the first hour of The Breakfast Show. There still is quite a bit to do between now and 10 o'clock this morning. I am broadcasting from home, by the way, which means I will hopefully be attempting to contact Dublin City FM studios in the next hour to get a weather forecast. But you know how these things are. Technology doesn't always work. My primal sound next hour is coming from Groove Armada, my record of the week. I shall be talking film with Fergal, and I shall have another ghost story for you. Oh yes, and a fairy tale regarding the week that was, and what a week it was, 
for fans of the Enlightenment and also fans of democracy, really. I am afraid there is no time for friendly conversation because the Greenwich Mean Time pips are here to let us know it is exactly nine o'clock in the morning. I thought I would use this part of the programme to say hello and good morning to a couple of people, something I don't normally do on this programme. So firstly, good morning to Cleisthenes, the father of Athenian democracy. Stress on the democracy. I also thought I'd say hello to John Locke, David Hume, Emmanuel Kant, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Adam Smith and Voltaire, the fathers of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment, the reason you are who you are today. Wouldn't all those men be very curious about the week that was? Oh yes, and by the way, there will be lots of things happening on the programme this morning. You will have to stay tuned to find out. It is now time for Who Ghost There? Are you ready to get a little bit spooky? Public service broadcasting at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. I shall help a listener deal with a ghost. A spectre that is in their house. Dear Mr. Doyle, I've been told you handle ghost troubles. Insofar as I believe that, and insofar as I will admit that my troubles are in fact ghostly, I will present the problem to you for a solution. I am not an angler, and yet a fishing rod keeps appearing in my house. I am plagued by the sound of a typewriter, which I have discovered from audio research to be the poorly named Royal Quiet Deluxe. And at Halloween, a full matador outfit materialized in the bedroom, which I did not buy. And it turns out neither did my husband. What do you advise? Yours, etc. Jessica Mitford from Sandyford. Well now, Jessica, come a little bit closer to the wireless and I shall help you. The supernatural is staring you in the face. I have considered your case and can tell you that you are being haunted by the ghost of Ernest Hemingway. Now, the best way to get Papa Hemingway to depart the premises is to strike a raw nerve. Simply pick up Lillian Hellman's autobiography, An Unfinished Woman, and start reading aloud the dinner party scene where her partner calls out Hemingway's macho swaggering as nothing but childish behaviour. Now, Jessica, if by the time you reach the immortal phrase, why don't you go roll a hoop in the park, and Hemingway has not quit your abode, then I, madam, am no ghost expert.
Ladies and gentlemen, this week's edition of Who Ghost There? Ladies and gentlemen, I thought we would end this morning's programme with a fairy tale. A fairy tale about, you know that old thing, democracy? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Just, you know, democracy set up by Cleisthenes, everything they fought for during the Enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, democracy. It's very important. Oh my goodness, if I didn't know better, I would think this is a newsflash. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick Doyle and I want to tell you something. Democracy is important. That's your news flash this hour. And here is a fairy tale about that very idea. Once upon a time, there was a pompous toad who lived in a rather large pond. Not very far away from where you live, actually. Now, the thing about this toad was that he ruled over all of the great pond. All of the other life that shared the pond with him were frightened of him. They were terrified by his big, rotund physique and his shock of very peculiar yellow whiskers which nobody had ever seen on a toad before. This very unpleasant toad was very much the ruler of the great pond and he ruled using fear. This was not a very nice pond to live in at all. After what seemed like an eternity in his rule, it was decided by a group of patriotic geese that also shared the pond that this toad ought not to be the ruler of the great pond anymore. And so the insects and animals, both big and small, held a little election with the hope that perhaps the once wonderful pond might just be able to get itself a brand new ruler. All of the life within the pond, both big and small, were hoping that the ruler could possibly be an old and very friendly worm by the name of Charles. This old worm had seen everything that could possibly be seen in this great pond. Everyone was agreed that Charles the old friendly worm was indeed the best choice to make this pond happy once again. Now the pompous toad ignored this election. He perched himself on top of a leaf and proclaimed, This is a silly waste of time. I will not take part in it. However, all the other animals and creatures, both big and small, believed that this was very important. And so the election began. All the life within the pond began to vote for who they would rather, Charles or the toad. However many pebbles each contestant got, they would be the winner. After what seemed like an eternity for all of the life within the pond, although for you and I, well, it would only really feel like seconds. Everybody had their votes ready. All of the pebbles were in, and the patriotic geese had begun to count. All of the life within the pond, both big and small, had their little pebbles counted. And the winner was Charles, the old friendly worm. He had received an exceptional 300 pebbles, while the pompous toad had only received two. 
most likely from the two rats who often could be seen by his side. The two patriotic geese perched themselves on top of a rock in the middle of the pond and announced that Charles, the friendly old worm, had won. The pompous toad could not believe that the pond had rejected him. He shouted, he argued, he flapped about. In fact, he flapped about with such intensity that his giant yellow whiskers got all tangled up in knots, causing him to lose his balance and suddenly fall off his leaf and splash into the water he went. Everyone in the great pond couldn't help but just laugh a little. What a silly toad you are, chanted all of the life within the pond, both big and small. What a silly toad you are. The two rats, who were normally found by the side of the pompous toad, were well to advise the toad he had to accept the new ruler of the pond. They told him that he didn't need this ridiculous pond anymore, that he could live under a tree beside the pond, and that he now could be the king of the tree. The pompous toad liked this idea. And off he hopped to the tree with his two rats by his side. All of the life within the pond, both big and small, couldn't help but look at the toad to see what possibly could happen next. Upon taking his new position by the big tree, by the great pond, he immediately found himself face to face with a giant fox who smiled at him. Hello, said the fox who licked his lips. But before the pompous toad could say hello back, the fox gobbled him up. The two rats promptly hurried away. All of the animals, all of the insects, and all of the fish, both big and small within the pond, had witnessed the toad being gobbled up by the fox. They had seen it happen, and they could not believe their eyes. The two patriotic geese, still stood on the rock, said, That silly toad, he should have stayed here. My, 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 it would have been safer for him. I tell you, I tell you, he should have respected the election. He should have let Charles the Worm take over, and he should have been happy for him. But instead, I tell you, I tell you, he thought about himself. And, 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 I tell you, I, I, I tell you, look what happened to him. While the old patriotic geese were speaking, the old friendly worm, Charles, the new ruler of the pond, managed to wiggle his way up to the top of the rock in the middle of the great pond. He stood up as upright as he possibly could, for he was a very old worm. And he promised to all of his friends within the pond, both big and small, that he would be a ruler that they could be proud of. And that from now on, this would only ever be a happy pond. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you very much for listening. If you've been listening since 8 o'clock this morning, thank you. If you've been listening since 9 o'clock this morning, thank you. If you've been listening since quarter to 10, thank you, I guess. Yes. Better that than nothing. Now, if you'd like to hear this program all over again, it will be available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And thank you very much to all those who took part in this morning's program. And well done to Mr. Martin Pop, 
he won this morning's play on words. Yes, the only, I stress the only, Elizabethan and Jacobean quiz on the radio, all to do with William Shakespeare. Thank you to Fergal who talked Vertigo and James Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock this morning. Whatever you're doing, you are to have a lovely Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week and I'll speak to you next Sunday at 8 o'clock in the morning. Until then, for me, Patrick Doyle, goodbye. Ah, yes, I need a cup of tea after all of that.